Welcome to episode 101 of Voice in Education. This is Julie Daniel Davis. That's right. I am one episode away from doing this for two full years. Today, to celebrate this end of a session, end of a season, I have invited Caitlin Gudekunst to come and speak with us today. She is with Creativity Inc. And I am a firm believer in allowing people to introduce themselves. So Caitlin, welcome. And tell our, our listeners who you are and how did you get involved in the voice space for children? Thank you for that introduction, Julie, and congratulations on your achievement. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm Caitlin Goodekunst, as you mentioned, and I lead marketing and business development for Creativity Inc. We're a design studio based in San Carlos, California in the Bay Area. And we've been around for 21 years helping the, the leading toy entertainment and technology companies to produce really fun, interactive experiences for kids. Um, anything from toys through to mobile apps and voice experiences, which we've been doing for about four years. That is a... Uh pretty amazing how you kind of moved into the area of voice, but it, it makes sense to me as an educator because it seems like a nat natural transition from what you've always done. So tell us about the voice applications you currently have available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do a hybrid of voice apps that we produce for ourselves under our own label and some that we produce with leading brands like Disney Music, uh, Mattel Uno, um, and uh, Noggin from Nickelodeon, some of the, the leading kids brands that are out there, as well as um, some for older kids like Netflix, Stranger Things, and uh, ABC's American Idol. <laughs> yeah, and I also know that you, and I may be getting ahead of myself here, but I also know you have been doing some voice applications for actual like Internet of Things. I actually got in the mail this week a little fuzzy uh, fellow that interacts with the Alexa device. So that is re a really cool next step that I see you guys taking that I'm excited about. Which leads me to my next question. Where do you see voice going for learning and what does the future look like? Yeah, the, the product that you mentioned is called Fuzzable Friends. Uh, and it's an interactive plush, the first voice controlled plush for children. And um, it's a really fun experience where you can talk to the plush and Alexa helps translate to its funny little um, noises. And I think it's just a sign of how voice can be put into products in fun and innovative ways. Um, of course, that's an entertainment product, so it's not necessarily meant to teach, but it, it's helping kids see how they can talk to products in a different way, which is really important because that's where our future is headed. Um, when it comes to formal learning experiences, I'm super excited about how conversational tech can just introduce new ways for kids to learn differently. Um, not every child adapts to formal learning situations in the same way. Um, sometimes they have auditory ish processing issues or other types of disabilities. And being able to have a direct conversation with a supplemental learning guide is really helpful for them to get deeper into subjects that are important to them or to reinforce different types of um, concepts that they might have trouble learning. Of course, um, you know um, from being having formal teaching experience that it's just so hard to manage a full classroom and all of the different abilities of kids there. So um, while I definitely don't say that voice tech should replace parenting or formal learning, I think it's just a nice way to reinforce um, what's already happening um, in the classroom for people who need it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I often tell um, my listeners that I don't see voice being a teacher. 
you know, your voice assistant being a teacher, I do see it being a way to supplement uh, the learning that's going on in the classroom. So I 100% agree with your analysis there. Um, so, but, and I will say, and I know because of your background, if you've been in the industry uh, with children for a long time, privacy is a big deal. Um, and so what in your opinion, uh, as an individual, do you think is the trade-off for sharing data of children? I mean, what are the benefits? Yeah, um, it's a really good point that parents and and certainly watchdog groups and and brands, um, as well as you know people who are working in the industry behind the scenes, we care a lot about um, how consumers perceive the products and also that we're building great experience since we're talking about kids here. Um, I think that it's been sort of a tension when with any digital medium in the past 10 plus years that I've been working um, with kids brands and experiences. Um, it started with websites and with social apps, of course, and this is just another uh, channel for for people to think about how kids are being tracked and how um, their data is being used. Um, I think it's it's really great if there are ways to store any type of data uh, locally on devices, if that's possible. Um, of course, with cloud-based AI assistants like Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant, um, the conversational power happens on the cloud. Um, and all of that is um, handled on the side of the platforms. So not something that a developer like us or a brand would touch. Um, but so we we try to say that you have to be very careful with how kids' data is used. That's, that's number one. Um, try not to collect what's known as PII or personal identifiable information like kids' addresses or um, their names. Just try not to take that if you can help it if you're doing an experience. So that's that's one thing, just like uh, sort of avoid the subject by, um, by being very well aware of, of how it can be used against you. Um, I think the second part of it is you know, you need some data from, from users to be able to adapt to them. So I would love to see a future where we can really ensure that kids' data is locked down and it's privatized, not only so that it doesn't leak out and there's no predation events, but also that they're not tracked as consumers. This data isn't used against them in ways in the future where they're just forming their, their own identities as adults. We don't know if they're going to like ice cream in the future. And you know, if, if there's things that are going to happen beyond their control online, where all of a sudden they'll be really embarrassed in the future. Um, so prevent that from following them into adulthood, um, but also think of ways that you can adapt to them and 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 learn from them as consumers so that the experience is personalized and can really feel um, like it, it benefits them. I think that's the, the beauty of voice assistance now is it has this ambient assistant quality so that um, the more it knows about you, the better it can help you. And I wanna see that continue to move forward for kids while not jeopardizing, again, their future as adults. Right, 100% agree with that. One of the things that I, I think, as I think about the future, um, that personalization, while parts of it scare me because of student privacy issues, it's also very exciting because if I could put a device somewhere and the device knows that student's name because it's okay for it to learn that name at some point, then it can actually start off wherever that student ended, you know, with a certain skill or a certain thing that I want them to work on. I see that as a huge asset to have in the classroom um, or at home. You know, we're, we're in pandemic times. To, for a parent to have that to subsidize what the learning is, are, what learning is already going on, I think is, it, is something for me as an educator, that's like the, 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 
the perfect scenario of how voice can really impact this. Um, you know, I know that you look deeply into what you think the future of uh, toys and things like that and how it's going to impact students. And that was one thing that really pulled me towards having you as a guest. And the fact that you do see that there's a trade-off there, you know, that there are good and bad uh, aspects of that. And I think that that's something that I think all families and um and school systems have to take into account. It's almost like you've got this scale and you've got to weigh what are the benefits versus the detriments of sharing this information, but we have to play within the laws as well. And uh, I know your company takes that very seriously. And I'm thankful for leaders like you in the industry that's doing that in a way that keeps in mind that collecting PII, that personal identifiable information is important. Kaylin, thank you so much for being a uh, guest today and for sharing your experience. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I'm on LinkedIn and I'm very conversational, conversational and social on that channel. Um, I also am on Twitter and Instagram. I mean, they're more personal to be honest um, than anything, but um, feel free to follow me or reach out. Um, uh, my name is Caitlin with a C and last name Gutekunst, G-U-T-E-K-U-N-S-T. All right, thank you very much. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week.